want you to turn with me tonight to the book of Daniel chapter 10. While you're turning there, it's so good to see the good crowd that we have again tonight. Those not only of this local church, but all the others that have come to visit and lend their support, benefit from these meetings. Especially good to see all of the ministers that are here. And I salute you in Jesus' name. Highly honor and admire the work that you are doing in the kingdom of God. Feel safe with, with good men around me. Praise God. It's also good to see a few folks here tonight from our own church in South Louisiana. And uh, of course I prepared them beforehand and told them not to come and expect anything new. I refuse to preach anything anywhere else that I won't preach at home, either before or after. So chances are they're just going to be getting more of the same tonight. But uh, that's all right. They need to hear it again anyhow. Daniel chapter 10, and I'm reading beginning with verse 1. I feel a little different direction tonight. I hope that the Lord will help me to deliver this to you. Beginning with verse 1, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. The thing was true, but the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread. Neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. And in the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hinnekel, <clears throat> then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, Behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold and beautifulness. His body also was like the barrel, and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned in me into corruption, and I retained no strength. Yet heard I the voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. Behold, an hand touched me, which set me upon my knees, and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. When he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand. 
and would chasten thyself before thy God. Thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days, but lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. My subject tonight may be somewhat peculiar, but I feel that of the Lord tonight. And I want to speak to you on this subject, the kings of Persia. The kings of Persia. The Lord bless you, you may be seated. I have again uh, read a little more text tonight than I usually do, simply because it helps to shorten the foundation and background that I must give. You understand now the context of this happening. But just for a little more background, of course you all know that, that the people of God had reached a backslidden condition and been warned of the Lord numerous times that if they did not repent, He would lead them into captivity and they refused to believe it. To the day that Babylon the great terror of the earth did come and besiege them and defeated God's people and rubbalized their cities and destroyed the temple and uh, took many captive back into Babylon. And uh, we all know the little stories that are taught in Sunday school about uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refusing to bow down to the idol. And then the story of Daniel and the lion's den. And we call them the Hebrew children. Well, at the time that this passage occurs, they are not children anymore. In fact, about 70 years has passed. From the time that Daniel was first led to Babylon as a young boy a slave. He is now up in years, an elderly prophet of God. Much has occurred. The Babylonian Empire has been overthrown and overtaken by the Medes and the Persians. And this occurrence happened, as the Bible said, in the third year of Cyrus king of Persia. And in the midst of all of this, Daniel receives some visions and dreams that set him to seeking the Lord for interpretation and understanding. And in the process of one of these searchings, the Bible says that he set himself to pray fast and to chasten himself that he might understand the vision. And he has been now 21 days into this prayer and fasting 
before this occurrence takes place. I want to impress three things on you tonight. And I, if you'll forgive me, I'm not going to be able to go as hard and as fast as I would like. I'm limited this evening by the weakness of my voice, but I hope that you will listen to me. And the first of the things that I want to impress upon you is, number one, the power of prayer. I note with great pleasure tonight that the first thing that this messenger says to Daniel was, Thy words were heard. I want you to know again tonight, we do not pray in vain. We are not wasting our time when we talk to the Lord. Every time you open your mouth to speak under Him, your words are heard. Hallelujah. Oh, dear Jesus, help me tonight. Somehow in this faithless society and generation, we have reached a point where we don't pray very much anymore. For one thing, we have so many substitutions for prayer. We have so many other props that we can fall back on. But another reason is that for some, for somehow the enemy has convinced us that we are not accomplishing anything when we pray simply because we may not feel the magnetism or the surge or the power that we would like to feel every time that we pray. Lord have mercy, all of a sudden I feel the Holy Ghost. I preach something often in our own church. I'm not going to call it a revelation, but it's simply a new realization that hit me quite some time ago now when I was reading the Word of God and I came across a verse of Scripture that is well known to all of us. But I believe it is one of the greatest promises that we have in the Word of God. And it simply says this, Draw nigh unto God, and He will. I said He will draw nigh unto you. It's not a maybe, it's not a might, and it's not a perhaps, but it is a 100% guarantee. Draw nigh unto God. And he will draw nigh unto you. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. Just because you don't feel the electricity that you like to feel every time you worship God, just because you don't feel the power that you like to feel every time you lift your hands, just because you don't feel the quickening, Every time you bow your knees, the Bible said, if you join right to God, He will. That means every time you pray, every time you worship, every time you reach out to God, there is a corresponding activity that takes place from the presence of the Lord. You are not 
They are also filling this atmosphere. And they are all around us. And when you pray, it sets those forces in motion. Sincere and earnest prayer will bring a heavenly response. The Bible tells about the man, Elisha. And it says to Elijah, he was a man subject to like passions, even as we are. And yet he prayed. And yet he prayed. And yet he prayed. And it did not rain for three and a half years. And he prayed again. And the heavens opened up. Hallelujah. And it goes on to say, be effectual. Fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Can I tell you tonight, it may not make all the difference in the world, but the Bible said it availeth much. Don't sell yourself short. Don't feel like you're a lonely voice. Be effectual. Fervent. Prayer of a righteous man of faith not. Praise God. And he said, from the very first day that you set your heart to pray, I was set to you. You might think God waits a long time. Now I'm getting into real primitive territory here. But that's all right. Some of us need to hear this. From the very first day, he had been hungering now for 21 days. And if this angel says, from the very first day, your prayer was heard. That leads me to the second thing I want to talk to you about tonight. And that is the power of the opposition. This angel said, The prince of Persia withstood me. I know I'm wandering into a theological minefield right now. And uh, there's probably going to be some that are going to disagree with me. Some of you uh, Bible scholars and wizards are going to probably have the definitive answer. If you do, I'll be happy to hear it after church. But right now, I'm preaching. And he said, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. I don't know how that strikes you. Somebody said, somebody perhaps might think, that this was just a man, that it was just the earthly king of Persia that had this power. I beg to differ with you. This, as far as I'm concerned, because the Bible makes it clear in other visitations to Daniel that it was the archangel Gabriel. I'll have you know the archangel Gabriel was no ordinary angel. If there is such a thing as an ordinary angel, that word just doesn't fit when you're talking about angels. But the archangel Gabriel 
was no ordinary angel. And I cannot fathom any one man, no matter if he's an Adolf Hitler, having the power to hold off an angel from heaven for 21 days. No siree. I believe that this was a demonic power that ruled and covered the territory of Persia. The Bible says that the devil is the prince of the power of the air. He's got all his imps and cohorts. Don't forget that when he rebelled against God, he was cast out with one third of all of the angels in heaven. Now let me give you a little, a little appreciation of how many that is. The book of Revelation talks about those future events. And it speaks of a company of angels so numerous it was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. The most conservative estimate places that number at over 200 million angels. That's approximately the population of the United States of America. And there's probably a whole lot more than that. That's the angels that were left. But the devil brought one third of the angels in heaven down with him. They're not just sitting somewhere in some recreation room having a good time among themselves. They are working in this world in which we live. And I don't know, again, I'm probably taking some big leaps in theological logic, but I believe that there are these princes of the power of the air that are assigned kingdoms and territories. And the archangel said, the prince of Persia withstood me for 21 days. Now let me again try to impress on you this power. The Bible tells me that in one place Hezekiah was besieged by the armies of the Assyrians. And they were so confident of victory were the Assyrians. The Sennacherib sent a letter to Hezekiah and he said, Buddy oh boy, don't even worry about praying. Because we went up against this country and that country. And they prayed to their gods. And their gods were not able to deliver them. And neither will your God be able to deliver you. And the Bible said Hezekiah took the letter into the temple. And he laid it down. And he said, God, here's what the man is saying about you.
I know where you live, and I'm going to take you right back there with a hook in your nose. And then God whistled up. Wish I could whistle. Like some folks can. Whistled up one angel. Sick In one night, one angel of the Lord stepped into the camp of the Assyrians and slew 185,000 hardened, seasoned men of the war. One angel. And this was no ordinary angel that had come to Daniel. This was an archangel. And he said, the prince of Persia withstood me 21 days. And in fact, I haven't even whipped them yet. But God sent reinforcements. Michael, one of the chief of the princes, came to take up the battle so that I could come on with your message. And when I get through, I've got to go back and take up the struggle. That's how great this power of opposition was. Oh, I've got, I've got you wondering now. Let me tell you something. Hallelujah. I remember my father telling me one time when he went into a little town in South America called San Vicente to start a church. And he was there in a little house that they had uh, rented. And he was praying in a darkened room one day. And he said while he was praying, he suddenly felt that something had stepped into the room with him. And there was a sudden feeling of cold fear that swept over him. A chilling feeling that filled that room. And he turned around and in that darkness, he could not make out details or features, but he could distinguish in the corner the dark figure of a presence standing there. And with an unearthly voice, this presence said, I know who you are, one how they are, and I am going to oppose you, and I am going to fight against you until I destroy you. And my father screamed, and my mother, who was in another room of the house, she was expecting my oldest sister that was large with child. She didn't know what was going on. She opened the door and stepped into the room. And without my father even having an opportunity to prepare her, she felt that awesome presence and she screamed. I want you to know, dear children, we're not here alone. In this atmosphere around us, and all around this building, are angelic powers. And also dark powers from hell that are circling around us tonight. Go ahead, cold, backslidden, Pentecostal. Keep drifting from one week to the next. But we are fighting an awesome power. And the reason some of you have no victory is because you do not pray. Lift your hands and 
kings of Persia to fight. Though there might be times when the angel of deliverance may be him, that lion said, I'm running and take 21 days there. Or Daniel would have just been picked over bones. And so the angel made it through immediately. But there are some things, some requests that we will make of God and some battles that we fight that are going to require more time and struggle. In this push-button society, you're not always going to be able to come to church and flip the right switches and have everything happen for you. You're not just going to be able to walk in and turn it on and it's going to be there. This is not a computer that when you hit the right keys, everything happens. This is a fight. This is a struggle. This is a battle. And sometimes you break through the victory almost immediately. But other times you feel like you're beating your head against the wall. Day after day after day. Hallelujah. Are you quieting down? Look at me kind of funny. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We want revival. But we want it to happen on demand. Just because we've scheduled an evangelist, we want it to happen. Right then and there. Oh Lord, here comes another pet peeve of mine. In this day, we've reached the time when people have their little two, three, and four day revival meetings. I know sometimes we have those, but that's all some folks want anymore. They don't want a revival, they want an injection. They want a booster shot that will help make them through or get them through for another few weeks or so. But I'm telling you, what this generation needs is a revival that will turn it on its ear. And it's not going to come with just a feeble little prayer. It's going to come with saints getting down on their faces and saying, Oh, God, would you stand? Victory! Would you stand Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh God, give us people that are willing to spend hours and days seeking after the Lord. Saying, God, we can't do without it. We've got to have it. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We don't need just a little surge in our numbers. We need revival that will turn us upside down, inside out. But we want to do it without any effort, without any energy, without any struggle. It's not going to happen. 
the kings of Persia are there to stuff out anything we try to do, to choke every service, to strangle every plan, to do whatever praise off of our lips. But I'm here to tell you, every time you come to church, it's a battle. Pray, break through, in against it, till somehow we get to the victory. things the enemy is going to resist fiercely. Fiercely. Hallelujah. You ever wonder why people backslide right during revival? When you become war on the devil, he doesn't take it sitting down. The likelihood of you backsliding is greatest during revival than any other time. Because that's when the battle lines are drawn. That's when the forces clash together. That's when there are casualties. That's when there are the wounded. And that's when there are the dead. Praise the Lord. We want to have blessings from God and answers from heaven and do it on the sly without the kings of Persia knowing it. Oh, your family is taken. When you say, give us revival, give me a blessing, give me a brand new township, the forces of the air are alerted, and they are going to fight and oppose with everything they've got. We had better be prepared for unexpected delays. And it does not mean that God has failed or is unable. It just means that there is a prince of the air. I know that's oversimplifying it. There's a lot of other factors that come into it. But all other things being equal, that is the reason why it's not always going to happen. We are living in a day in Pentecost again when people do not want to pay the price. I'll say it again just because some folks don't like it. We're living again in a day of Pentecost when people do not want to pay the price. And we say, let's lift our hands and praise the Lord. And our hands go up and immediately start that down. We look like wilted lettuce sometimes. I know people work hard, and I understand all of that. I can't cover all my ground tonight and cover all my tracks, but I'm telling you, we've got to reach a point where we say, I will not be denied. Call the Jesus. I remember years ago, I was in the church here. Old building up front. I used to go there as often as I could in the morning and at night to pray. And of course, it was a building similar to this with no windows, except the doors didn't filter in any light. It was dark, friend. And I don't know who engineered that, Brother Stan, but the light switches didn't work. 
and you had to turn all the lights on by the circuit breakers way back in the corner of the Spouse office. And whenever you walked into that dark building, you couldn't just reach right inside the door and flip on a light. It wouldn't work. You had to feel your way through the darkness. Now you know the devil knows why you're there. You come to pray. And you're walking in this pitch black darkness, feeling your way around, stumbling and falling over things. They used to set chairs out and pray for people in those chairs. Remember that? Well, they didn't always put the chairs away. Sometimes they were still there, and you'd fall over them, and you'd think the devil sure enough had you. <laughs> and you'd feel your way back to the corner and find the door to the office. And Brother Stahl's office was never a model of <laughs> neatness and order. I don't know how many deaths he had in that place. There were two or three besides chairs all scattered around. And you had to navigate your way through all of that and finally find the back panel and count blindly down the switches till you found the right one. Then you go in and pray, 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 victory, victory, victory. <laughs> and then, after you felt like you whipped the devil mm -hmm. and got the victory, you had to go back in there, <laughs> turn those lights off, and find your way back out. That's right. And you just knew that any moment, mm -hmm. something was going to jump out and grab you and say, gotcha. Sometimes you can feel it. You know, Brother Evans was talking today about what it's like at a camp meeting when everybody's gone. Nothing more spooky than an empty church building. Especially right after you got the victory. And you felt like you just spent a good, healthy season in prayer. And that old building's creaking. And you just know that old devil's there. Well, let me tell you, it never did happen that way. As far as him reaching out physically and getting a hold of me. Hallelujah. But nevertheless, that power was there. And that power is here. And that's what we're fighting against. It's not time to be complacent. It's not time to take the ease. It's not time to be wishy-washy and be flimsy and feeble. It's time to do our teeth, set our feet, draw our sword, and fight the devil like we never have before.
Oh. I don't usually live in a spooky realm. And to delve in these kind of things, I don't, I don't think it's healthy for people to be exploring the spirit world and reading astrology and reading books on spiritism and things. That's not what I'm trying to generate here. I'm just trying to make you aware as much as the Bible has taken the pains to let us know that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. That's what we're wrestling against. I've got news for you. Do you notice the word wrestling? That means we're not shadow boxing. We're not darting into the center of the ring and throwing a punch and then jumping back. Wrestling is very physical. It's very involved. You lock arm in arm and leg in leg. Two boys wrestling. You don't know who's on top, who's on the bottom. The dust is fine. Arms and legs are everywhere. That's the kind of mortal combat we're locked in tonight. Wrestling. Not against flesh and blood. Not against flesh and blood. But against principalities and power. I'm going to tell you something tonight. I don't tell this often. It usually spooks the kids, and I don't want to do that. When I was 11 years old, woke up in the middle of the night and heard footsteps come into my room. When I looked again, there was a dark visitor standing there. Sat down across the room from me and glared. This was not a dream. This really happened. I looked at him, my little young mind, I knew what was happening. I felt a paralyzing fear seize me to where I couldn't even speak. And I said, Buck eyed at this strange visitor. And I was praying in my mind, in my thoughts, somehow, for God to give me strength. And finally, I felt my tongue loosened enough to where I screamed out the words, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. That dark visitor threw up his hands and screamed and leaped to his feet and darted out of the room. And it taught that little 11-year-old boy, Hallelujah, there is no power can conquer us 